0: Now it is, because I have the light on. Testing, testing. We're on the air. Welcome back. Tav Shanaim Aleph, a new year, new series of Shireim. Yom Yetz Hashem the Teva, all more exciting than ever before. Please, quiet, thank you. Don't worry. I need to tell you tonight. You know, in Israel, they have unions. Yigud. And Rosh uh, HaIgud stood up, and he has a great announcement. I have an announcement for you, it's going to be the best. From now on, instead of starting at 7 o'clock, we're starting 9 o'clock every day. Pshee, everybody starts cheering. And instead of finishing at 5.30, we're finishing at 4 o'clock. He, and they screaming and they yelling, the hats are up in the air. And the salaries are going to be one and a half times the regular salaries. Oy! And we're cutting the work week down instead of six days a week, only Wednesday. And then you hear from the back of the room a guy screams out, every Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> this is the good when it comes to, it comes to the union. The Israeli union, this is how they act and this is how they react but they tell different stories about how people act and react we find that uh, <laughs> he is a tzaddik in his generation many many different opinions as to what that means a tzaddik in his generations. would he have not have been a tzaddik in other generations would he have been in other generations he still would have been a tzaddik but all the different connotations that the Torah is referring to when it says this and we look at people, and we say people, we try to analyze people, sometimes people together, sitting together, don't know who they are, what they are. They tell a story of a bartender who was standing in the bar, and he's listening to two customers. Your name? Mikhail. Your name? Shmuel. Glad to meet you. Yeah, I detect um, from your way you're speaking that you have uh, a foreign accent. He says, yes. He says, where are you from? He says, Israel. Israel. He says, "What a coincidence! I'm also from Israel. Let's drink to that, and they drink to it." And yeah, I also drink to it. Then he says, "What town in Israel? "Eh, You'll never know. You never heard of it. It's so far away." No, 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 no. Tell me. Amen. He says. He names the town. Far off town. He says. Are you serious? He says, Yeah, <laughs> I'm also from that town. I will drink to that. They drink again to it. He says to him, What school did you go to then? He tells them which school. He says, I don't believe it. I went to the same school and they drink to that. And then he says, And what year did you graduate? He tells him what year he graduates. He says, I can't believe it. I graduated the same year. So, Chayyim. And they say, "Wow, this is such hashgacha, such divine providence, brought us together the same place to be in the same." J- Just for that, we got to say. And they drink again to that. Finally, the customer walks into the to the bar and he sits down, and the bartender says, "It's going to be a long night." He says, what do you think so, Mister Bartender?" He says, "The his twins are drunk again," <laughs> 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 and this is sometimes we don't notice and we don't see and we don't hear in our own voices and our own th- selves. Um, different people, there are different strokes, different folks. I tend to meet and hear from different people. And I, when people call me with, either to confide in me or to talk to me or Shaila, whatever it might be, I learn from my experience and I also learn from our rebbe's, and from the rebbe's, we learn the stories of the Reb Marash for example when he used to see people in private audiences why did that land in this room? because yeah. you're looking for it so that's how you find it? The Rebbe Marash, when he was seeing people in a private audience, he would have to change his kapata every hour. Hello? Middle of a year. But I got to see you first, I got to know what I'm doing. Uh, call me 10-15. Thank you. Thank you. as we say, another dinter. Um The Rabbi Marash used to change his clothes every hour. And he used to be perspired, very, very heavily perspired. And the Shamish once asked him, Why? Shamish used to bring his clothes, and he used to carry it out. it was soaking wet from perspiration. And I asked him, What's wrong? What goes on? And the Rebbe explained to him, when someone comes to him with an issue, with a problem, the Rebbe says to himself, why would I hear this? Why am I being exposed to this? Could we be quiet in that room, please? Why is this being shown to me? And ultimately he would delve into it and dig into it and say, how can I help a person? It's such a predicament. I'm not in that predicament. I don't know of such things. And therefore, he would put himself, he would look in his own history, or look into his own, and try to put himself in that predicament of the sinner, so that he could find a way for the person to do Tshuva. So he says, you keep putting your soul in and out of bodies, you also start perspiring like that. So when I hear these things, when some things come before me, problems, issues, contemporary issues, I look at myself and I say, what's going on? Why am I being exposed? Why am I hearing this? What happened here? What transpired here that I have to listen to this? And I do and I and I look into and I think into and I soul search. And today I had several different incidences. Um, it was probably average day. I won't say overly busy. It's an average day. And the average day we saw and we heard different things that most of these incidences, most of the cases that were presented today where people, in simple English, they love themselves. People love themselves. They're people that come up with problems, because they feel sorry for themselves. And they want to know, how How did this happen to me? Why did this happen to me? And then I said, so when he wanted to create the world, he looked in the tether. And my, for the last 30-25 years, my shita became that when I come into a a, a predicament, I look in the parsha, the week's to see what, when, and where. This week's tells us that they had a very very sick situation here. Neach's first reaction when he comes out of the teva is he plants a vineyard. Now. Honestly, I don't know if there's going to be time for it tell us about the medrash of the vineyard. In event that there isn't, and you're listening to this over the internet, you can go back in the archives of Parshish Nayak and usually on an annual basis we tell the medrash of the planting of the vineyard. Tonight I don't know about the time, and I'm also not in the mood. <laughs> for Shabbos we have the tradition, we'll definitely tell it. He plants a vineyard. Let us scrutinize very, you know, we don't seem to understand. My wife took on to teach. She's able to go out now to teach during the day. She's teaching in high school. She was a teacher before we got married. And she's teaching now Historia. And when she's teaching Historia, she wants to know what... What exactly do I say? What do I do? How do I direct them? And I told the first things first, you explained to this Talmides, to the students. Dear girls, the word is historia, because that's the Hebrew word for it. We're going to be teaching you, though, about Jewish history, per se. When you open a Chumash, when you open a Tanakh, when you look in the Gemara and you see these stories of the Torah and Avimeksum the Shas, they're not just a story. They're not just something that once upon a time. No pasuk in the Torah starts "once upon a time." Bereches bara lekim. In the beginning, God created. Bereches has on it. Well, the shivim la laTera, the seventy faces, the Tera seventy explanations. Beresha has in it hundreds and hundreds of virushim, what the word stands for, in the beginning, why that paraphrase is used, what are the connotations behind the, about, uh, behind the original opening line being Beresha's connotations, I don't know if Nat, approved uh, that word, if it's big enough for him, he probably corrected anyway. If he ever answers his phone again. Anyway, has to his phone only. He's very good at that. So when I look in, I open up the Teda and I say, I look in Tata, what does the Pasha have to do with it? The Taylor tells us, listen to this, because you just asked this before, Taylor tells us answer, that the ark, the teva, comes to rest, and Nayak has to see what's going on outside, So he opens the he opens the window that they made and he sends out ultimately the yonah. In the beginning it's the raven and finally he sends out the yonah. And the yonah returns with an olive branch. Not with an olive. And time and history, everybody always learned this and says it came back with an olive branch. And nobody ever asked the question, why a branch? Why didn't he bring back an actual olive? Why did he bring only a branch? Or only a a leaf? Why didn't he bring back an actual olive? Another question... The first thing Nayak does when he comes out of the Teva is he plants a vineyard. A vineyard? Liquor? To get drunk? What was he thinking? You look into it though. When the Mizbeak was built, the altars were built for sacrifices. You had to put wood on the altar to keep the fire going. There was a perpetual fire flame that came down from heaven. But man had to put wood. The only wood you could not put on the altar was olive. From olive branch. Why? Its fruits are too valuable. Can't cut down and burn an olive tree. And Israel is can get a very but they big use the time. if you and That is the fruit. But they use the olives. Let us scrutinize that though. What is the connection then? The olives and the grapes. the olives is what was remained. That's what the first thing they found, and the grapes, the first thing he plants. We look into this. First of all, what is the olive branch, and not a tr- not an actual olive he brought. And secondly, we see a very interesting pasuk. Pasik tells us, Vata ve'elov le'is erev. The Yonah doesn't return right away, only late in the evening. What took so long? How far away was that olive branch? The beauty of Tereh. The, the, the famous story of ben sold his donkey. And um, he had the donkey for many years and the donkey refused to work on Shabbos afterwards. And the buyer came to him and screaming at him. My sister, my sister, anyway, Said to the donkey you can work now you're not mine let's do math bear with me count my numbers Neach on the 17th day of Marah it started to rain and Neach was told get out of the rain quick so Neach runs into the Teva What's the first full day of the Mabo? First full day of rain, eighteenth of Cheshvan. We rain what? Now Nayak knew you don't set sail within three days of Shabbos, so he couldn't set sail till Wednesday. Yud Ches El. First day of the marble. It rained for 40 days. The water flowed back and forth for 150. You with me? Where are we holding? 190. Yeah. 60 days we got to the top of the mountain. Where are we at? 250. 250. 40 days later he sent out the raven. 14 days later he sent out the Yonah. Three oh four. Three oh four. Three oh four divided by seven. 42. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. Three oh four. Divided by seven. Uh, no, it's uh, forty one. And three days. Forty three. Forty three. Forty one three days? 43 and a change. Three days? Yeah. And three days? Yes. Thursday, Friday? Saturday. What day was it? The 304th day? Shabbos. The bird couldn't pull the wheel, the, couldn't tear off the leaf on Shabbos. Oh. So he waits, Likras he waits. Erev. He waits till at nightfall. Matzah Shabbos. Matzah Shabbos, he took the leaf. Time in history. The world gets reestablished after getting cleaned and cleansed for forty days and forty nights of marble of May Marble of the water of the Marble. After by the way, in Jastagav, there was this week there was a beautiful rainbow in the streets. You know i just point out a rainbow out to somebody, but you can tell you saw a rainbow. There was a beautiful rainbow this week on, on, on one of the days of the week. Um, so 304 days after the marble starts Nayak sends out the, uh, the Yaina and the Yaina says I can't be Mahal Shabbos even for this and waits until nightfall wait a minute the Yaina looks at this gorgeous olive tree the Yena is hungry, man. He had what to eat in the Teva and everything else, but he's been flying now. He was out of the Teva. Time to eat, right? Is the olive branch going to help him? No. He wants to eat an olive. The Yena says when Nayak gets out of the Teva, he's going to have to take together the olives and give Mysa. Has to give ten percent. Has to give tithe. If I tear off an olive now, it's going to confuse the husband It's going to confuse what? The whole kashbon, oh. the whole calculations, be confused. We want less olive. Mm-hmm. Does the olive belong to them it Does not belong. Uh, I'm not touching the olives. I'll bring back the branch. I'll bring back a leaf instead. So <laughs> he only brought back the leaf. But the original question we had: Why olive and? White olives and grapes. We look at last week's Pasha. And the Pasha finishes off with Nayach Motzachem Hashem. Nayach found favor in the eyes of God. The next Pasuk starts. Eile Tildes Nayach, these are the children of Nayach. Neach is tzaddik. What's the merit of the parsha? The children of Neach. Although, although, there's a later parsha called Terudos, because that is literally the whole relevance of the parsha is the concept of the birth over there of the children. But here is tailored as neach, and is therefore referred to as neach. But the outcome of neach is Tzadik, talmud hoya was based on because he has children. That's the cassius means the world was supposed to be destroyed. So, therefore, what is so important here? What's the most important of all? The most important is the children. The Imvea Geffen, Vimvea Geffen. We say that when the Shidduch is made, they talk about Imvea Geffen, Vimvea how wonderful the, the grapes and the children have been brought together. Why out of all the fruits is the geffen? We know a geffen the grape is aged, an orange a grapefruit a grapefruit aged. all these other fruits you squeeze out the juice shahako a grape. About a very period. You squeeze out the juice. It's a The juice is higher than the fruit. That Because that's the, magn- the beauty of the Geffen, Of the grape. That the offspring is higher than the father. The Zayas has also... The olive oil is the most valuable of all the oils. And therefore, it brings out another message to Nayak, which is that the whole reason for the destruction of the world was because the world knew no boundaries anymore. The the decadence that the world was living by the demoralization of the world's um, stature animals and, and, and creatures and nobody was living by the guidelines nobody was living by guidelines there was gay rights and, and there was uh, animals living from this animal that animal, it was it was horrific so God showed Nayak the first things first, the olive. Oil mixes with no other fluid. Oil, you put any other fluid with oil, does not stick. They don't stay together. The first message, Nayak no fruits stay together. No oil stays together, no people. People have to keep to their, what they have to be. and this is the first lesson that he was told by the Olives that the olive is teaching us that the world till now had no boundaries of who mixed with what now you had to you know, welcome home now had to remember that in order for the world to coexist it had to exist in its own realm everything had to separate in its right, right habitat and also the value of the tildes, the value of the children the value of the next generation the geffen and the oil the wine and the oil so much more valuable than its actual fruit and this therefore in its essence was also of the same caliber the same message coming across But therefore, we see Nayak plants the vineyard, and Nayak gets drunk. And there it tells us of the different reactions of the three sons, Shem, Chum, and Yophas. shame and Yophis did not see their fathers they did not see the Erva of their father but Ham not only he saw it but he came to repeat what he saw all the embarrassment of the father Medish tells us, from here we learn, that a person who purchases a non-Jewish slave, if he knocks out a tooth or an eye of the slave, the slave goes free. What an awkward medish. What an awkward connection. What does one have to do with the other? What is the connection between knocking out the tooth and the eye of a slave, and this Chum, seeing what he saw? The punishment for Kham. For seeing what he saw and repeating it, God curses him and says, You will now become a slave to the nations. What was this punishment for? For seeing and repeating, for the eye and the tooth. So that Evet Knani that we're talking about, that non Jewish slave, is the descendant of Kham. Why is he sold? Because the eye and the tooth sinned. But if you take out the eye or the tooth, then you've already repented for the sin. So the slave had to go free. So we see here from this, that the relevance, the importance, when someone is shown something, How they have to soul search into their own iniquities. That one is fanat. Into their own iniquities, their own shortcomings, their own faults. And say, why did I see this? Why was I exposed to this? And how does it have to affect me? How do I have to repent with this? And this is why the tailor tells us these words. That he saw the shame of their father... By, so, by seeing and repeating the shame of his father, he was therefore punished to such a level, to such an extent. And this is therefore the, the story that the tells us that he came once to the Rabbi of Brody which was his brother-in-law actually this is probably before it was an embarrassment to the Rabbi of Brody that the Washemto was actually his brother-in-law because at the time the Washemto was still going in a hidden guise and he used to walk around like a clay digger an a, a, uh, ignorant clay digger so his brother-in-law was very embarrassed from him and he once came into the rabbi, and the bashemta said, Every person has to learn from everybody they see and everything they see because everyone is a mirror. If your face is clean, you'll see everybody else is clean. If you see if somebody's dirty, then these blemish within you. If you look back, if you search through the archives, a few years ago I told the story of Schwarzwolf the story of Schwarzwolf also has that same message but it's too long and time is too short boy Elateva, teva didn't want to go into the teva Nayak started to rain and God told him, come to the Teva. Yeah. Neach, Rashi says, was mechuser. He also was short of belief. What did he not believe? Did he not believe God I mean, how could you say that he did not believe if for 120 years he's building the ark and he's standing there doing everything God tells him well, all of a sudden he didn't believe what is it supposed to mean Neach didn't believe that mankind was so stupid Neach didn't believe that after building for 120 years and telling the message and giving over the message to the people that mankind would still not repent. And it's till the last second, with the rain falling, until God told him, get into the table, because the world did not repent, and the world is going to be destroyed, until that very moment, Leach still believed, that the world would repent. That's how much faith he had in mankind. Mind you, the generation we're talking about here, was so far gone, was so messed up, and yet Neach found it in his heart to believe that they would still come back. Mind-boggling. So when I look at this message, and I look at the message of the children of of, of Neach, of Shem and Yafes, I say, I say to myself is that the true message that we have to find it in our hearts no matter what who when and where to forgive and to have faith that the person is actually going to do complete true so when a person says to me something that sounds so self-centered and sounds so selfish I say to myself, am I? Why am I getting this message? Why am I hearing this message over and over? Am I self-centered? Am I selfish? Am I egotistical? Am I? And I look in it and I probably will find it myself very, very easy because we all have it. But I also turn around to myself and I smack myself on the back of the head and I say, you know something, i got to work on it in that case. If the message keeps coming back to me, even if it's not somebody telling you to me, But the message keeps coming back to me, I better do it. I better look into it and search, soul search, until I find where it's at. Until I find how I can just uh, rectify it. How I can repair it. How I can make myself a better person. So when I'm asked, why do I allow myself to get caught up in conversations of 40 minutes, 50 minutes, hour, hour and a half, I had one conversation with somebody once that killed my phone almost the full battery on my phone killed the entire phone. That's how long the conversation went. Why? Because I learned from it. And that's the way to do things. <laughs> Boyala Teva. Rosh says Teva means near the ark Teva also means a word. Ukatar teva Halach and Shabbos is that if a person writes a single letter he's not high for writing if he writes two letters Aleph and Beis spells Av he built a word it's high. Only the base? Not chayef. Only the Aleph is not Chayev. Aleph in the base becomes Chayev. Because he built the Teva. He made that word. Bo'ala Teva. Come into within words. How does a person get into the words? The Mazich Magid had a Chavrissa, a, a study partner. Years later, when the Magid became the Magid, the study partner came to visit him, and the study partner l- noticed that Sefer Havida of Tefillah that much the used to dive and involve himself in tfila. And he said afterwards, he said, "I don't understand. We'd study together, and we both studied the Rizal, and we studied all the all the the, the intents of the Rizal. Why are you so involved in Tefillah more than I am?" What is it? And he says to him, let me ask you a question. If I remember correctly, you sit in there and your wife runs a business. Says, yes. However, there's a few weeks a year that your wife has to go to the marketplace to buy merchandise. But you, she can't go to the marketplace. That's the yes. So you go for her. So you take off a few weeks, right? He says, yeah. How many years are you doing this? It's just 40 years. In forty years, do you know the route to the to Leipzig to the marketplace? Sure. Do you know exactly where all the stalls are? Is of course. Do you know where you, when you purchase a merchandise you're going to store it? You picture you can picture a hundred percent. You know where you're going to stay a hundred percent. You know the journey back. It's definitely. Let me Ask you a question. Three weeks you waste of terror. Why don't you take, sit down, and meditate? Picture yourself going to the marketplace. Picture yourself checking into the inn that you stay by. Picture yourself going out the next morning to the shul there and then to the marketplace and purchasing merchandise. Picture yourself purchasing and storing the merchandise. Picture yourself for the next day, the second day, the third day. The whole week that you spend in Leipzig. Then picture yourself packing everything up and coming home. Within an hour and a half, two hours maximum, you can picture the whole three weeks. And then sit back down to learn. See, so looks like the Maggit, see you off your rocker? I won't have any merchandise. <coughs> so the maggot said to him, that's how I daven. You take the davening and you picture the whole davening though. And you bring it all into fruition by your picture. I need to go get my merchandise and come back. So my davening takes that much longer. The famous story of the Rebbe the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, used to go often, like the Baal tell his wagon driver, come we have to go somewhere, go somewhere, and come back. Rebbe once took his wagon driver, and they came to an inn. And they got to an inn. And the marash got out. And he went inside. And there were two, two children there. And as he was sitting, by, and, and he came inside and said, where's your mother? She said, my mother went shopping. Where's your father? He went out in the morning. He will be back soon. And the Marash says to the older boy, do you know how to learn? Do you know how to read? He says, sure. He says, bring me a Chumash. He brings a Chumash. And the boy sits down, he starts explaining Chumash, Rashi. Beautiful. To the other boy, do you know how to read this? I can say, till him. Let's see. He takes out, he says, two He says, wonderful. Now bring two Tillums. And the boys bring two Tillums. And the Marash sits down with them. And he starts saying tilam with them, and the tilam that he, the way he was saying it together with them, it was just the most fascinating, beautiful tune and melody you've ever heard. After a while, the mother came, and she's wagging outside, and she hears the sound of this tilam. It's just a, she goes in through the back, not to disturb. She comes from the kitchen. She's listening to this tilam, and she's listening and listening, and then finally. The marash is okay. And he closes the tilum and he starts to walk out. And then he stops by the door and he comes back and says, Wait, wait. Let's say some more tilum. And they start saying more tilum. And then finally, after another few minutes, the marash is okay and he closes the tilums and they leave. And he leaves. The woman comes out and she's just, just mesmerized. Who was that? The children said, we don't know. So he just walked in and said, okay. And they wait, the children sit there, wait for the father, wait for the father, the father's not coming home. They all fall asleep sitting there waiting. It was midnight. They hear knocking on the window. Let me in, let me in. It's the father. And they open the door and he comes rolling in. And he faints on the floor. They were petrified. Finally, he wakes up and he says, Let me tell you a story. I went to collect a debt. One of my farms. And I came into the farmer and I told him, I've collected the money. He says, Oh, come with me. We walked about ten minutes out of his farm. One of his barns. When we came to the barn, as soon as we came inside, he locked the door. I said, Oi. And he took all of a sudden a stick and he hit me on the head and knocked me over. And he grabbed the rope and he tied my hands. And he says, You want to get paid? I'll pay you big time. I'll pay you and leave you here cut up in pieces. And he started looking for his axe. And he looked and he looked and there was no axe to be found. Could, and he says, I always have at least two axes in here. Where's my axes? And he looked and he could not find the axe. He says, I have an axe in the house. He lo- goes out and he says, don't go nowhere. He tied me to a beam. He says, don't go nowhere. And he locks the door. I was shaking. All of a sudden the door opens again. It's a woman. A farmer's wife. She said, what are you doing here? She knew who I was. I told her the story. She said, listen, quickly. If I untie you, and he catches me here, he'll kill me. I'm going to untie you. You got to get out of here, and I'm going back to the field. And I'll make believe I'm just coming from the field. He'll never notice. But listen, the field is very long. Until he comes out, if you're running in the field, he's going to catch you. Don't run right away. Go out of the barn and jump into one of the haystacks. And hide, bury yourself in the haystack. Good. She unties him. She runs back out to the field, and he runs to a haystack, and he buries himself in the haystack deep. And the farmer comes back in and sees how other no, he's not here. He starts screaming and cursing and yelling and banging. Where could this guy be? Where could he have gone? Fuming mad. Finally, the farmer picks himself, picks up the axe and runs outside. And the farmer was thinking, it's gone, I can't find him, it's disappeared. But then, out of anger, he starts swinging the axe everywhere. Chopping down wood and banging into haystacks and in the Finally, he saw that he's not finding the guy. The farmer went back. And I waited until it got dark at night and I escaped. They made a khajm. What time did he get to the farm? How long was he tied up? How long was he hacking at at the haystack? And they figured out all this took place while the Rebbe Marash was saying, till them with the children. The reason the Rebbe Marash came back is because the guy came out yielding the axe on the haystack. See, so he came back to say, More till them with them, to save him from the haystack. Yeah. We have to understand the power of prayer. I have a friend. He's going through a very hard time, very hard situation. It needs major miracles. Far, far from unfortunately at the moment being religious. But has done things in the Jewish religion that I my hat's off to him at his age. We went yesterday to Eil. And I said to him, My friend, you have to give something back. I say, I don't believe money. I'm not talking money. I don't have time. I don't have money. You do have money. You don't have money. It doesn't matter. But you're not gonna, if you're going to commit to money, you're not going to give it. You won't give the whole thing. It's hard. Kosher. As we were driving to the ale, we drove by a blimpie or a Subway, and they were drove by a Subway. And they said, why does Subway even think they're allowed to be open if Blimpy is so much better? So the guy lives in Blimpies, Subways, McDonald's, Burger Kings, Shmurga King, everything, Burping Kings, whatever, he, all this Hazarai, he eats pork, it's not a problem. All every fish, gosh forsaken fish that there is, he tastes, he eats. So is not an option. Shabbos, please. Why I said this, where it came from, not me. Am I a man of God? I'm not a man of God. But I try to pray to Hashem that He gives me the right answers, the right directions. I said to Him, I know what I want you to do. I'm going to give you the easiest, hardest thing you can do. Or the hardest, easy thing that you can do. So what's that? I want you to daven mincha every day. You don't have to find tefillin. You don't have to find sits. You don't have to find anything. Mincha. Ashrei, Shmanesrei, and Aleinu. Every day. What's so hard? There's a window. From when you could daven mincha till when you could daven mincha. Shachar is technically you could daven all day. Maybe you could daven technically all night. Mincha is, for example, today from 1.15 to 6.30. The earliest you could daven is 1.13. And the latest you could daven is Shkia, which is 6.30. Some people daven Shkia. Later, whatever it might be. Till the last minutes. But that's a window. In the winter time, Shkia is 4.30. So you're davening from 12.30 to 4.30. Four hours window. So that makes it very difficult, because it's the middle of your work day, the middle of a busy day. But it's something that's very, very doable. It'll be a major sacrifice to stop whatever you're doing, that every day. So you're going to be giving something severe, but also it's a very simple thing for you to do. It's approximately, if you're going to do it in English, and you read English well enough, it'll take you 11 minutes. If you don't, you read Hebrew only, you take it... 9 minutes, 13 minutes, with Tachtan, I'm not asking you to say Tachtan even, I'm not asking you to say Kabonis, Asheri Shemneser Aleyno every day. And he said good. And we came back from the oil, and he came with me to 770, we dove with the first Mincha Minyan, and today he called me to tell me he was in Long Island, he was stuck with that, but he went back from Long the Island to the oil, and he took out the English Shiddur, and he dove Mincha so, so far, so good. Two days in a row he's done it. <laughs> and God should give him strength to keep going. But this is the power of prayer. The power of this mincha, mincha. <laughs> was answered to his mincha. The power of his mincha and of his abnegation to dav mincha every single day. And the the nefesh that he had for the other mitzvahs that he had done should keep in his stead and should keep him blessed. And that everything should go over shalom with him. And even more so. even if it's the power of his Mincha that tips the scale, it should ultimately, bail a get us into our teva, into our rescue ship, into our rescue cloud, and take us out of Gullus. This is very, very short.